0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on SiriusXM XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining me from the streets of Georgia, somewhere. She out in them streets because that's where she always is. Gathering folk, getting them to the polls, encouraging them, singing to them, just m- motivating. She should be on mass class with motivational speaking. Award-winning, amazing one of the founders of Black Voters Matter. Let me welcome the one and only. The great Latasha Brown. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi. Okay, okay.
1: All so, right. Hi. I'm happy to be here, Kira. You know, today it is supposed to be a rainy and cold day, that some say in Georgia, but I'm telling you, it's hot down here.
0: Is it hot, physically hot, hot, or is it hot because the people, hot. Are, the block is hot, the people in the streets.
1: The block is hot. People are in the streets so the block is hot. But you know, it's really interesting. It's a very, it's an interesting day. We've been going around. I am, I'm on the road right now. You know, we have been going around from precinct to precinct all around the city, and it's not been the lines that you saw in early voting. Um, part of the reason is that a lot of the sites are open up now, so you got all of the voting sites that are open back up. But then the second thing is because there's been early voting, so a lot of uh, voters actually participated in early voting, and we made a concerted effort to make sure that people knew um, how critical this election was. And so what we've been seeing today is not the long lines. We've been seeing more of like a steady flow.
0: You know, what has got, you had record turnout for the um, early voting, even though y'all's governor did everything in his power to obstruct people waited in line. I know Drew McCaskill waited two and a half hours. He was like, but I voted and I'm, I'll wait three, four, five hours. If I have to, I almost feel like that <laughs> backfired because if you're going to make me wait for
1: 30 minutes to an hour, I'm ah. going to be there all day. Listen, I know that's right. It's it's even worse than that, though. The Secretary of State of Georgia, and if you know... Um, if, if you think about what the responsibility of the secretary of state, the secretary of state is the constitutional office, it's the highest office in the state that is actually in charge of the election process, the electoral process, to make sure that people, um, that the election runs smoothly, they govern and manage the election, um, the process. But in addition to that, they also, um, part of their responsibility is to make sure that people um, are registered to vote, to make sure that people are aware of their voting rights, that they are actually engaging and getting people to participate in elections. In the state of Georgia, just a few weeks ago, the state, the Secretary of State, actually sued because on a ruling that a judge made around having early voting on a Saturday. So the office that is supposed to be encouraging people to vote actually was suing to make sure that the polls did not open on Saturday. Um, Senator Warnock and several others actually sued, um, were also a part of the suit, and and they actually prevailed where there was an opening that Saturday, we could vote on, on Saturday. The state's argument, including Secretary of State's argument, was that this happened to fall during a holiday. What holiday? robert e lee birthday a wow. confederate general's birthday and they wanted they were literally wanting to stay the state to not to have early voting because of robert e lee's birthday this is the secretary of state's office right well, you talk about vo- voter suppression this is at the highest level in the state well that makes sense
0: you know if you're honoring a confederate uh, for confederate general who wanted to keep black people in bondage of course you would keep black people from voting that day that makes sense <laughs>
1: Natasha Brown. That, I guess that would be the point, right? That would be the point. But, you know, we, we fought, we stood up, and we prevailed. And as a result, that weekend actually broke records. You had one of the highest voting turnout. Uh, vote, voting weekends in the history of Georgia particularly and it broke records around a runoff election and so what that says is that one there was a demand two and then that and it says that people respond accordingly just as you said that there was a backlash that they went too far in their attempt to suppress the vote in their attempt to prevent people from voting and their attempt to not even have the polls open people responded right to to that that people were upset and said, Oh, you're not gonna keep me from voting. And that's why we saw these record numbers. I think it did backfire. This strategy they had to actually push and suppress the vote backfired on them.
0: So now, um because you, I, I watch your videos, you out there <laughs> every single Me day. in streets. <laughs> Man, and, and and it's exhausting watching you, but I know that you cannot be tired because you are on mission, which is important for us, you know, because Latasha Brown's going to be all right. I'm just going to let y'all know that. She is okay, but she's out there because people in Georgia deserve to have leadership, and people in this country, because Raphael Warnock's election is not just about Georgia, it's about the United States Senator, Senate, and, so, and And the the laws that are going to be passed his vote will matter more than probably any other vote because it is the thing that keeps us from that tie. So for you, what has been encouraging or discouraging about this runoff, which shouldn't even have happened, with an illegitimate candidate running against a person that actually has um, a brain?
1: You know, there is a, let me say this, this this has been a really challenging it's this, I this campaign or this campaign is almost like a dichotomy you know it's like an us more in, that on one hand there are things that i'm celebrating on the other hand, the, the other hand that things that make me terribly sad for example on one hand you know we're seeing during the early voting period we saw these long lines people waiting in line, some people waited one, two, three hours in line to be able to vote. And so it's encouraging when you actually see the visual of people voting, but the discouraging piece is why are people, why do people have to stand in line for two, three hours to vote? At the end of the day, we know how many people are voting. Why would we not create a process that is more effective um, and, that is more, and that is more mindful that folks time, time is money. Time is resources, right? And so at the end of the day, there's be a much better process for people to be able to go in, cast their vote, go in and go back to go back to whatever it is that they were doing prior to that. And so that's one thing, but what we know is part of that is a result of voter suppression, the closure of polling sites, the moving of closing sites, the change that we saw with SB202, which was the voters, what we call the blueprint of voter suppression law, where we saw you know, where you had eight weeks that you could actually early vote, got truncated to four weeks. And so making sure that people knew that so that they didn't take for granted that they had a longer period of time to vote. And so all of those things have been a part of the process, including when you look at mail-in voting. In the last election, general election, you had we had 1.2 million people that passed mail-in ballots. There was a part of SB202 actually literally shifted the law around the, the availability of mail-in ballot uh, voting boxes, the, the, the time period in terms of voting. And as a result, that number has dropped significantly from 1.2 million voters to 0. 0.2 million voters. That means a million people who had accessed mail-in ballot voting didn't access this time. And so all of those things have a compounded impact on, yes, while there is high, regist- uh, high voter turnout, while we're seeing people come out um, in the polls, it has it has been because of a cause. That is, we've expended a lot of time and energy and effort. You know, the other thing that's really upsetting and frustrating, I think that we're seeing this with Black voters, that as we're talking to all around the state, that Herschel Walker's candidacy is quite frankly an insult to us, right? It is an insult that the Republicans would think so, low of, of of who we are and would think that we would be that all they had to do was two things and we saw this throughout the midterm election that one all they had to do was to actually pick a candidate with a black face that used to be an athlete and that in some way that it didn't matter if he was coherent, it didn't matter if he had positions on any issues, it didn't matter if he had the leadership to be able to serve. All he needed was a black face and actually have some popularity. And so part of what they did is they literally went and plucked him handpicked him trump handpicked him out of texas brought him to georgia to qualify to run he actually filed his taxes recently and said that he is a resident and claiming to be a resident of texas he doesn't even claim to be a resident um of, of georgia on his taxes he says he's in texas the second thing which has been you know if it wasn't so sad it would be funny right and there is a video that is out that that has been spliced up that is actually um a little hilarious but just recently you know people let, let me give some background if you know anything about in in the 60s and followed the civil rights movement a very derogatory term that used to describe black men that they would actually call black people they would call them coons that he's a coon matter of fact there's a, a there are several times that that was a name that was actually furled at uh, Dr. King often in the voting rights movement that in Selma, Alabama, a place where I'm from, the mayor would intentionally, when he did an interview, instead of calling him Dr. Martin Luther King, he would say Dr. Martin Luther Coon. I mean, I mean, King. It was intentional. That was a term, a derogatory negative term that was used to actually um, describe Black people um, in, in, a, in a negative way. Here it is that just a, just a few weeks ago, Here it is that Herschel Walker, well, actually, a week and a half ago, Herschel Walker, literally in the clip, people can can go and see it and, and research it themselves, that he literally said, you know, they call me a coon, but if anybody, I'm a country boy, if anything, he basically embraced this notion of being called a coon and even went on further to say that a coon was the smartest animal. And so here it is that this is a black man in 2022 that refers to himself at with a racist derogatory term that was used to actually refer to our leaders from the civil rights movement on up, but he himself is claiming it and he himself is actually referring to that in some way that there's some term of endearment of being called a coon and calling himself that. If anything, not only is it embarrassing, not only is it frustrating, infuriating, it is heartbreaking that to hear a black man to stoop so low, to be in such a position that he would refer to himself as a coon as he's running for the u.s senate that in itself is one of the most disappointing things that i've seen and heard in this election cycle
0: so i'm not going to ask for predictions we're going to all know the polls close at 7 p.m eastern the polls close at 7 p.m eastern am i correct with that the polls close at seven so the people polls- still have a time have a chance to vote Uh, in this uh, cycle. Do we expect to have a result tonight,
1: though? We expect to have a result tonight. The only race that is actually on the ballot in Georgia is this U.S. Senate race between Warnock um, and Walker. And so we, I expect that we will know, and I am hoping that is such a distinction um, in, in the voting turnout that it won't be that we early on that we will know there will be a clear winner. You know, when you look at, there were a couple of number of things that I just want to be mindful to remind people of that one in the in the primary in the midterms election you know what we saw is that that actually Warnock Senator Warnock went in he came into the runoff with an advantage he actually secured more votes but in the state of Georgia you have to secure 50 plus one you have to have more than 50% of the vote to be able to avoid a runoff and and I want to remind people that the runoff system itself was created as a tool for there to be a black voter turn I mean drop off that it was a really a racist tool to actually be able to have at the time for party leadership to maintain power by by depending on that, if you did another election, you would have a you would have a drop off of black vote uh, voting. That is historic if, if you look at the history of of the of the runoff in the state of Georgia. But one, not only is war not going in the runoff um, with an advantage, but I do think that Walker has a role. He he has a gap that he has to fill. That when you saw in the last election, Brian Kemp, who was the Republican governor, he had two he garnered 200,000 more votes um than walker so if so instead of it being a republican straight ticket that what you saw is you saw the the governor um and then walker literally got 200,000 less votes what we also know is that independent voters seem like as if many of them literally walker um Senator Warnock has been able to garner that. And so I think this is gonna be an interesting race because I don't think I think this race is far more complicated. It's not just even about black voters or even white voters, Republican and Democratic voters. What we're gonna see is I think we're going to see. Um, the AAPI community is coming out, the the, the Latino community, African-American community, the LGBTQ. I think what you're going to see, and I think that in many ways, if you follow the Warnock campaign, he has been very intentional about literally having a message to speak to the different constituency groups. And so I, I think that there is what we're going to see witness is there is a new South rising. There's a mm-hmm. new Georgia rising. And we're going to see those results, I think, tonight. OK,
0: um, Latasha Brown. Tonight, 7 p.m. polls close and 7 p.m. Urban View opens. Clay Kane and Reese Colbert will be holding it down. You also call in, keep them company. Uh, and they're going to be watching as the polls close in Georgia. Before I let you go, we were talking about Deion Sanders. Not really, because I think Deion Sanders is a proxy for something far greater for us to consider. And the question that I have that I asked before I went to break was what is our responsibility Do we have a responsibility to the community? Should we have a responsibility to the community? Or should we all kind of like, yay, do your individual thing. We're proud. We're happy. And the runoff of your success will bask in. What are your thoughts beyond Deion
1: Sanders? Are we a we or should we just be a me? No, I think it's definitely at the end of the day, individualism has been very hurtful for our communities, for us to literally make these decisions that as if, that I can make a decision that's only good for me, no matter how it brings hurt or pain to our community, or literally takes a resource for our community, that that is literally, I think this dichotomy, is this, what we're up against. Let me, In the Deion Sanders case, you know, it's interesting, because I actually have a nuanced belief around it. Number one, I think that this brother did a wonderful job going down to Jackson State. I think he did a wonderful job at literally lifting up and building up that program where they went undefeated. I think that in many ways, his role and what he showed was that lit, let, literally what are the possibilities that exist when those colleges, when our HBCU colleges have the right kind of resources, the right kind of support. While I personally would have preferred, and I was thinking in alignment, him to stay with the HBCU or within those communities. The truth of the matter is, I don't know what's in that man's head. At the end of the day, I think that there's also a way that he can serve in other capacities. Now, Colorado, I just I don't understand it. Um, I just I don't get it. I just don't get it, right? I don't get it, um, uh, particularly when when the possibilities in the swag. And I think what really concerns me is taking the boys with them. That here we, you know, there was all of the. Um, this trend of being able to get the top black players to go to the HBCUs and how important that is and now to take those players with him to a PWI, a predominantly white institution, you know, that, it, that in itself is probably more troubling to me than just his decision, because I can't say that I believe that his decision is just around individualism. There may be some larger thought that he has around that. There may be some strategy that he has around literally being able to build programs up and create opportunities for black coaches. I'm not sure. Right. So I want and, and and I want to be mindful of how I speak about it, because mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we have to really recognize that there is a nuance Um, of literally being a Black person in America that we have to find in this balance of how do we take care of ourselves, create our own vision, and literally be able to look out for our communities. And oftentimes I see that there's this this notion that Black folk got to sacrifice everything and all. Now, I'm one of them Black folks that I'm I'm going to be on the front lines. That's how I'm built. I'm built to be on the front lines. But I know that everybody ain't built like me. And so I create some grace and space for others that may not be built like me, but I think that we should, Be calling the question that at this issue we should be calling the question around whether it's like, 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 brother Dion what is your thinking maybe you got a part of the strategy of the plan that we don't see but what what you have been talking about for the last three years is the need for us to really be able to to build up hbcus and so if that's a value and that's something that that you like literally value then why are you not why are you departing from those values at this moment and i think give this brother the opportunity because the bottom line it cannot be denied that what he has contributed to literally putting the HBCUs as a focal point, I think that that in itself has been exceptional. I myself has, have been inspired by seeing some of the work he's done and some of the things in Jackson. So I think we have to be very careful without canceling each other out that we can call the question, we can have these nuanced conversations, we can literally talk about how complicated it is but what we have to do and call mm-hmm. this issue around individual and collective and collective power and still be able to recognize the value that we bring to the process.
0: Thank you. Um, And I think you said all of the things uh, that I was feeling, you know, I'm I'm gonna take it one step further, somebody that really can imagine a world where everybody wins, you know, and I know what that takes. And I know you're out there doing it politically and in other ways but it, is, it doesn't take all day either, you know? Maybe a couple more no, years. I like, I could you. see, like, a couple of more years, it would have turned, you know, it's like we get right there,
1: and then it's like... I, I, uh, I no, uh, I, know, I, know, I think, Karen, so the close. thing that was so disappointing is... I would have at least liked him to literally leave with the class that he brought in graduated. Yes. I, you know the, the 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 things that I saw, right? Because but cuz because I think that it's really important that we don't pigeonhole ourselves in the way that we think that black folks got to be martyrs for everything. Cuz that's not what I believe. Right. But what I do believe is that that part of what I do say, a part of his legacy is that he has left a program, you know, has left a program that is stronger. He has left a model that I think is stronger. You know, what I would have preferred, quite frankly, is I think that there's a level of. I'm not going to say dishonesty. I think there's a level of. I would have, even though last year he said he was interviewed and said would he consider other places, and he said he was, I think that there is a level of individualism and selfishness that, that, that it feels on the surface, but like I said, I'm not really sure, you know, around the nuances around it, but that that why would you take these star players that you've convinced to go to an HBCU, that you are literally saying that you're shifting the trend for these players to go to the HBCU. Why now would you take them to a PWI, a predominantly white institution that doesn't have a strong program? Why would you use them to build up their program instead of literally taking them to a school that would actually have impact on our communities?
0: That's that's it. Um, First of all, not first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Thank you. Thank you, LaTosha. Karen, I think you need to have him on your show.
1: I, I would think love you should to. Invite him on, you should invite him on your show because I, I think that this, we need to have these discussions and open it up. That at the end of the day, I don't have to dismiss all that wonderful work that brother has done. And I can also have the right to hold him accountable. And that's what we have to have the balance where we're calling, each, calling the question to each other. So I would hope that this brother would come on your show and let the community know, what's the real deal, brother? Prime yeah. time, come on, tell us what's up.
0: Yeah, we could do a town hall. We make it, we'll make it special. We'll make it special. We'll, we'll go any special. place it <laughs> is. I lo- Listen, let me just say, I-, I love you. I didn't even think that, uh, you know, I-, I wasn't even thinking that way, but I appreciate you. And I literally hear you in the streets. I'm so grateful for the work that you and Cliff and all the others that have been participating in making Georgia. Uh, and again, it just takes one, you know, making Georgia um, not just purple, but bringing some humanity back to a place that's the home birth birth state of my mama, my grandmama, you know, all my family. I got people there right now. Uh, uh, you know, my my play mama is there right now in Augusta, and all my cousins hanging them in Georgia. It is the home that I spent my summer and uh it deserves to have leadership that reflects everything so latasha thank you right. so much thank you
1: thank you karen for having right. me as always hey this is karen hunter you can listen to the karen
0: hunter show live every monday through friday at 3 p.m east on sirius xm urban view channel 126 or anytime on the sirius xm app